we are coming to the close of summer. And some of us are wanting to hold on a little longer. One of the things that summer allows for, if we are fortunate, is to travel. And as my children traveled down south and spent a little time with relatives there, grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins, I found that while they were on vacation down south, a children had an opportunity to travel back in time to see something that is almost ancient to us. It was a family photo album. Yes, because now we know with all of our technological advances, our pictures are stored either on our cellular phones, on a tablet, or maybe on a cloud somewhere in the ether. But a hard photo album. How many of you remember those? Going way back. Okay, thank you. A few of you know what I'm talking about. But to the children, it was quite interesting. While they noticed the albums in the past, this time it was their curiosity that led them to travel back in time to look at that old book, or maybe a few old books, if you will. And it prompted them to open it up and begin to witness the growth and development of their family, in particular their father's family. They saw pictures of little people who are now their aunts and uncles. They saw grandparents and as teenagers. They saw old cars and old homes. They saw old furnishings. Remember orange and greens and all of that stuff from the 70s? Yes, they saw old clothes and old birthday party pictures. This part of our text on faith, according to this epistle, is similar to a family photo album. Yes, a text that is a continuation of last week's reading in the epistle. These passages shed light on the paragons of faith. Entire stories from the Hebrew scriptures have been condensed to virtual sound bites. Now, we're all very familiar with sound bites. We need it quick and simple. But here, heroes and heroines of the faith are recalled men and women, martyrs and warriors, who show great faith in God. In our Hebrew text this morning, we read about a warning to remain faithful in the developmental process of being the church. Yes, these Jewish Christians, we find here as we're reading and hearing what's happening in their world, we are also reminded that everyone is not at the same place in their understanding. This writer was concerned that people were becoming discouraged. Well, look around. There are people here who are in that same boat, becoming a little discouraged, if they weren't already. Therefore, the writer presents this list of biblical greats for our shared story. In this way, the writer is letting us know that our current story is inextricably linked to the faithful witnesses of the past. Organically, the stories of our forebears are associated with the trials, tragedies, and yes, even triumphs of today's believer in God. Believer in God? Yes, the Christian. Not only are we invited to review the photo album of the family of faith, we are being reminded that theirs was a mature faith. So we must ask the question in this developmental process, what does a mature Christian look like? 
A mature Christian looks like the man or woman who is faithful to God in good times and in bad. A mature Christian studies the Word of God so that they become familiar with it and knows the Word of God so that when it's time to pray in moments of distress and despair, they know how to recall it to mind. And that's an encouragement to their souls, to our very souls. A mature Christian is not tossed to and fro by every wind or doctrine. You see, the writer in Hebrews has been telling us to be, be wary, stay on the path. A mature Christian knows that God is a very present help in times of trouble. A mature Christian knows what the peace of God that passeth all understanding can do for him or her in times of trouble. And yes, a mature Christian does not give up when the storms come. Just hold all the more tightly to God's unchanging hand. That's what I came to understand growing up. And the look and review in the family photo album reminded me that here it was in Scripture, that again, we may be in a similar place as our forebears. It is not surprising to learn that the Hebrew people were becoming discouraged, despondent, and even disheartened. The reality of things around them seemed unlikely and unfortunate to them. Some have ventured to say that we live in a morally ambiguous world. Evil has infected us and our institutions. There is no human cause, they would say, not even the Church of Christ that is a pure cause and that is not infected with sin. There's that three-letter word, that three-letter word that so many of us, we don't like to hear it and often don't hear it enough, but it is real, and that's sin. The writer to the Hebrews is cautioning them against sin. And that, in this meaning, at this point in time, is anything, again, that separates them from the love of God. So here in this exhortative piece, they are asked to recall the faith of their ancestors. Our writer to the Hebrews this morning appears to say that faith believes that ultimate reality lies not in what we can hear and see right now. Faith, instead trusts that what's ultimately real is what we can't see or hear because it hasn't happened yet. So what is faith? Ultimately for us, faith is not the belief in what we can see right now, but faith instead trusts that what's ultimately real is what we can't see or hear because it hasn't happened yet. This is what makes our faith radical. We, after all, believe that, not, believe that not only what we can see, hear, touch, or smell is real, if you can't somehow measure or test something, it can't actually be real. <laughs> now Hebrews comes along and claims that what's really real is what you can't yet see, hear, touch, or smell or even measure. Beloved, no one has seen God, but we all hopefully are here because we believe in a God that we have not seen. God is faith. And as I look at the world around us and all that is going on with our world, with our children, with men and women, with our families, we need a radical faith. 
a faith that can move us beyond the bounds and limitations this world has placed on each of us. We need a faith that moves us into action for the greater good, not a selfish good. We need a faith that can accomplish the impossible because with God, all things are possible for those who believe. With faith, God is able to do a work in us and through us that defies ordinary human experience. Now, I know you all are with me here, but right in there somewhere, there's an amen. Somewhere. With faith, we believe in the promises of God and can see it manifested in God as revealed through God's Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, contrary to all of the reports on the statistics surrounding death by suicide, and yes, it has been on the rise in communities like we've never seen before, not just talking about a high-profile end of life by one's choosing, I'm talking about the things that weigh people down on a regular basis, those daily life stressors. We are not alone in any of life's struggles. That's what our faith teaches us. We come together understanding that faith is a powerful motivation. That's why we're here this morning, is it not? The text tells us, of the historical record of those who are true believers in God and who were mature in their faith. So this is something we're all aspiring toward. And for this reason, they were able to distinguish good from evil. Today's worldview would suggest that all knowledge is scientific and that it is supposed to make the case for being among the faithful very difficult. Yes, this logic makes it next to impossible for the intelligent person to be a person of faith. But I think I'm looking at a lot of intelligent people this morning. Intelligent because you're here in the pew today. Intelligent because you've come seeking uh, that motivator for your faith. Intelligent because you've come, at least if your faith is little or waning, you come with the expectation that God will increase your faith. Instead of thinking that faith is a substitute for knowledge, we should think of it as an indispensable aspect of all knowledge. As knowledge grows, faith will grow. And so my children in pictures from of old saw faces of people whom they never met but who looked like them. So then when we pause to look back at images from the past, our Christian family photo album, we will see a long list of Christian men and women whose victories of old ought not to be forgotten. Their stories are a constant source of strength in these uncertain times. And yes, even among us, if we were to look not just you know, we're all putting a, a lot of attention on millennials, but let's, let's move it forward. Let's look at it. If you were here any of the last three Saturdays for Summer Streets, you would see our volunteers representing Christ Church of every age group almost, even into, into the 90s. And those are the people, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and above, who are witnesses to that faith. Are they not? Simply because they're present in church. They're involved in ministry. That's a testimony to their faithful presence among us that they believe in a God. Their stories 
of yesteryear continue to give them strength, but not only strength upon strength, but it gives them a recount of what God has done and what God can do even now. So that the young ones coming along need to hear those stories. Am I right? They need to know that they too can enjoy life and continue to move forward in that abundant life that God has promised us through God's only son, Jesus Christ. Yes, even the present day saints, the witnesses in our midst, they reassure us that our present hardships are but for the day, or in the words of my grandmother, trouble don't last always. Our witnesses, down through the years, remind us that the grace of God will sustain us. Yes, the faithful, the people of God who have believed for journeys along the way that God is a God who is real, the God of Sarah and Abraham, the God of Miriam and Moses, the God of Rachel and Jacob, the God of your grandparents and parents, the God you want your children to come to know. They show us how to run with perseverance, the race that is set before us. There is no short dash to glory, but endurance is required for the distance race set before us. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, Rahab, a known prostitute, risked death and denied her own people because she believed in the God of Israel. By faith, there are no there are so many more examples, but I can imagine the writer saying, time does not allow me an opportunity to particularize the entire record, but please understand the list continues. Yes, they experienced incredible sufferings. Some were destitute, afflicted, even ill-treated, but God had foreseen something better for us, and that something better was revealed in Jesus Christ. Therefore, my sisters and brothers, you may find it acceptable to God that your position is one found to be resolute, eager, even unwavering in faith because the picture says it all. And when they look back at this moment in time on your life, what will the photo album say? What will that depiction say? That you were a person who remained faithful to the end? Will they see as my children saw grandparents who had no gray hairs? Granny was looking quite sassy in some of those pictures. They couldn't believe that it was their same grandmother. And now the wisdom and the faith is being passed along through them to the grandchildren. They saw pictures of their father that they didn't even recognize as a little boy. And yet today, standing in his own church, leading his own flock, I tell you, the people will look back. Your children and grandchildren want to see pictures of you remaining faithful to the God of all time. Because a picture is worth a thousand words. Will your picture be one of faith and faithfulness? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord.